We had reached the end of a row. Caleb leaned down to yank his bucket around the end of it, but at the last second, he grabbed the handle of mine instead. Before I could even protest, he and my bucket had disappeared around the corner. His bucket remained at my feet, and it was nearly full to the top. With my face burning, I did the only conceivable thing. I hefted it, swinging it around the corner, setting it down at my feet as if I'd picked all those beans myself. Beside me, Caleb dropped more beans into the bucket formerly known as mine, his tanned hands threading into the dried sheaves the way I'd always wanted them to tangle in my hair. Biting back a sigh, I grabbed a pod and cracked it in my hand. Discomfort and shame were my constant companions. Caleb covered for my mediocrity as best he could. My best friend had saved my backside too many times to count. And how did I repay him? With sinful, lusty thoughts. Just another day in paradise. That's what they called this place where we lived and worked and prayed when they told us to. Depressingly, the little kids of the Paradise Ranch didn't even know that the rest of the world was not like this place. Sometimes I peered into the window of the little schoolhouse where the children were learning to read the Bible, only the Bible, and a book about our divine pastor. There weren't any other texts, poor little souls. Until the third grade, Caleb and I went to a real school in Casper. We all did. And man, I loved that place. Teachers pressed books into my hands and told me I was a wonderful student. School was my refuge. But then, ten years ago, our divine pastor decided that the public school was a bad influence because we came back to paradise asking for Gogurt and Jello and Harry Potter. We came home corrupt, wanting things from the sinner's world. The elders didn't like it, so they built the schoolhouse, which is really just a drafty pole barn, and taught us exactly what they wanted us to learn, which is almost nothing. I haven't been off the Paradise Ranch since then. Caleb sees the outside world, though. He's the firstborn grandson of an elder, and therefore has a much better standing than I do. He has a valid birth certificate and, even better, a driver's license. Once a week or so, the elders send him out to the post office or to the feed store. Once, they sent him to Walmart, and he came back with lots of colorful stories of what he saw there. Bright television screens? We don't have any at Paradise, but we'd seen them when we were younger. Crazy clothing, and all kinds of food in plastic packages. There were no stories for me today, though. We couldn't gossip on a bean harvest day, because there were too many others around to hear us. Though it was nice to hear Caleb... I could even hear the tune he kept humming under his breath. Singing was not allowed. Caleb was very good at following the rules, but music was his downfall. Some of the compound trucks still had their radios, and since Caleb was handy with engines, and branding cattle, and the ancient tractor, and all the stuff I could never seem to manage, he was often asked to do mechanical maintenance. Even though it was risky, when he worked alone, he would sometimes play the radio. I couldn't tell which tune he had stuck in his head today because only little bits of it escaped, but even those breathy sounds made me want to lean in. I wished I could put a hand on his chest and feel the vibration when he hummed. My head gave a brand new throb of pain, and I dropped some flaky pieces of chaff into the bucket and had to fish them out. The day ended before the never-ending bean field, which meant we'd have to come back again tomorrow. Carrying my last ungainly bucket, I felt oddly exhausted. 
I stumbled, nearly spilling all those ill-gotten beans on the ground. Ezra, the evilest of the bachelors, came running over, but not to help. Instead, he laughed in my face. The little faggot can't even carry the beans. Do not react, I cautioned myself. Ezra used the word faggot whenever he felt like it, and not always on me, but I knew what it meant, and when he said it I always felt transparent. That's when Caleb arrived at my side. Setting down his own bucket without a word, he just loomed there, a quiet wall of support. Ezra grinned in that mean way he had. Why do you help the little faggot anyway? People gonna talk. My blood was ice then. Our whole lives, Caleb had been taking heat for helping me. To hear such ugliness come from Ezra's mouth terrified me. Because if, even for a second, people believed the things that he had just implied about Caleb...